Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of An American F1. Like, you can sense that the 2022 season is just gearing up. I mean, now that it's the new year, the new regulations are coming, and social media is a fly with the hints of the 2022 season. I mean... One of the coolest things I think that I saw this week as I was perusing through Twitter was McLaren maybe giving us the first look at a 2022 car. And it was it was pretty cool, I got to say. It was pretty exciting. You know, you can almost sense, like, teams are starting to tease us a little about the next season. And I think that's something we should all be pretty pumped about. I mean, McLaren with their little teaser, uh, you know, Mercedes was... Showing on Twitter first, they showed us a picture of what was definitely on the old style Mercedes on the 2021 Mercedes, but they showed us the you know 63 of George Russell on the back of that Mercedes with all those AMG logos on it, and then of course, Mr. George Russell himself. Is there a guy in F1 that manages to pull off fashion better than George Russell? By the way, I feel like anything George Russell wears, he automatically looks like a model. I mean, that guy's insane. I don't know how he does it. I guess you could say like Pierre Gasly and those guys, those the Alpha Tower guys, they have some sense of fashion too. But man, George Russell showing us him and his that him and that Mercedes gear kind of got you pumped for the season. It's like wow, there's some major changes coming on. You know, it's not Valter anymore. You're not used to seeing the picture of the uh, classic Finn with some coffee or espresso going on in the morning. Well, espresso is Mr. Latifi, but. Don't see, uh, you know, Valtteri with his coffee in the morning on TikTok for Mercedes. You just sense 2022 is coming. I was also reading some articles uh, this week, too. There was one that referenced Mick Schumacher. Again, coming back to Haas, man. Haas Racing. Mick was sounding pretty pleased about the development of the 2022 car. Which is pretty exciting because... Obviously, with new regulations coming down the wire and all this, maybe there is a chance that we'll have a brawn racing situation. You know, maybe there are a few teams that early on, at least, find their way into places where we haven't seen them. Maybe we do see a Haas at the top. Maybe something similar to like what we saw with McLaren in the first half of the season, that some teams really figure it out early on and they really turn it up. Um, actually it was pretty interesting. There was also, I was reading while doing a little reading for talking about Aston Martin today, I was reading about Nico Hulkenberg and what he had said about the 2022 car. And I mean, this is based on simulator rides, I guess, but uh, the Hulk was saying that the car seems faster than originally intended and that maybe the racing won't be as close as expected, which would be a little disappointment because this car was pretty hyped up to get rid of all the dirty air and those fast corners and everything like that. So I'm hoping that's not true. I'm hoping, you know, maybe when the cars hit the actual track, it differs greatly from the simulator. I mean, anything is definitely possible for that. But those were some of the biggest news articles I saw this week in, in Formula One news, at least. I mean, it was kind of a quiet week, which is, you know, expected. It's the low of the season. There's really not much going on. I talked about Otmar last week. Obviously, um, that was the major news, I think, from the last seven days, really. 
Uh, nothing else really major. Uh, I've been supplanting my F1 fandom, my F1 addiction. I don't know if I should call it an addiction, but uh, I've been supplanting the lack of F1. Just, you know, kind of, there's a lot, there is a lot going on. I was looking at Formula E stuff the other day. It's pretty interesting. The series, honestly, I wrote about it in my blog this week too. Formula E could be one of those series on the rise. I think, I think it has the great potential. There's a lot of good talent in that series. And uh, it kind of helps supplant the need for racing before Formula One. Obviously, there are other forms too. Depends what you're into. Depends what style of racing you like. If you're a road course guy, uh, obviously, I would like to think that mo- guy or girl, I would like to think that most Formula One fans probably like more of the road course racing and probably more, you know, Formula E doesn't exactly appeal to every uh, Formula One fan for a variety of reasons, whether it be overtaking, the sound of the cars, things like that. So you might be finding yourself more of like a WEC purist, which is more later in the season. But you get, uh, if you're into IMSA, IMSA has the Daytona, 24 hours at Daytona, which is in February. So just some other things, but that's not why we're here. We're not here to talk these other racing series. We're here to talk about Formula One a little more. So as I've been doing, I've been going through the different teams this year and how they finished and just kind of doing a rundown on how each team did and whether what were their expectations going in how they actually perform what what maybe can we look forward to in 2022 from these different teams so you know I started with Haas obviously then went to Alfa Romeo then went to Williams and now we're going into we're getting into the 2021 season for Aston Martin F1. This team, Aston Martin F1, obviously formerly known as the BWT Racing Point team, also formerly known as Force India, Force India Sahara, and you could go down the list from there, but this team, I think going into the 2021 season, was one of the most hyped teams, and with good reason. Racing Point was incredibly successful. And they had been steadily on the rise for the last couple of seasons. I mean, if we're looking at the 2020 season, Racing Point had, I don't know if we could call it a Cinderella-like season, but I think they turned a lot of heads in 2020. And I know, I know people are automatically going to say they were the pink Mercedes. And I get it. Totally do. But there is a little more to that team. That team invested a lot of money. I mean, first of all, big props, uh, props, wow, big props have to go to Lawrence Stroll for just saving that team initially after the VJ Malaya incidents and everything like that. Um, but, and big props really to Otmar Schaffnauer also for developing that team. I know I talked about that last week, but honestly, as much as there was the conflict and the controversy between whether or not that team deserved their finishes that they did last year because they were similar to the Mercedes, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think there was high expectations for the Aston Martin team going into 2021, especially since we all know that Sebastian Vettel signed on too, bringing a big name. We know that they were... With this continued investment, they were being rebranded as Aston Martin. And I think people saw this as, yes, this is going to be that team, like that 
that upset team that this team's going to be fighting for wins, fighting for podiums, uh, fighting for at least third, fourth, fifth in the Constructors' Championship. And I think what we can say is that the 2021 season for Aston Martin was unfortunately horrible. I mean, a major disappointment. I I don't want to use the word horrible, but I, I really don't think there's another word to describe it. I mean, one of my buddies is a big Aston Martin fan, big Vettel fan, and poor Seb, man, first of all. I mean, did he seem happier at Aston Martin? I don't know. He didn't always seem happy. He goes from Ferrari last year, which was just, honestly, for Ferrari standards, was a trash season. And then he goes to Aston Martin this year, who had, and whether we're tracing him back to Force India, Racing Point, they had one of their worst seasons in a long time. Uh, Very disappointing. Especially with the talent and what we thought was a significant investment brought in. It just, they just fell short of all expectations, I would say. Uh, You know, and part of it is because they were hit hard by the regulations for 2021. So, um, if anybody is unfamiliar with the 2021 regulations, there was the issue that Aston Martin was upset about the regulation changes in 2021 because basically, what happened was some teams went for high rake designs, some ra- some uh, teams went for low rake low rake designs. So um, the lower rake teams basically ended up having uh, a greater difficulty in adjusting their setups because basically the car was not creating the car was very unstable, and it took a while to sort those out. Obviously, Mercedes was able to figure out their issues earlier on while Aston Martin just frankly struggled. So it's unfortunate because they really just, I mean, it felt like every week there was some kind of disappointment from Aston Martin and with a few exceptions, but I felt pain for Aston Martin, for Vettel, for Stroll, watching some qualifying sessions where there were times they didn't even make it out of Q3. And that's just abysmal. Stuck in Q3, stuck in Q2. It was just unexpected. I don't think people expected them to be that low on the totem pole and barely struggling to get points. It wasn't like they were an automatic point scorer every week, week in, week out. And we're talking about like other teams like Alpha Tauri, Alpine. They were fighting for the points and almost getting points in every or not every but they were getting consistently scoring points throughout the season and were in contention to fight for points and I know Aston Martin did have their degrees of bad luck but I was looking through the stats and even these surprised me because I felt like Aston Martin did better this year I, I, I mean I know they were low I knew they finished seventh but I didn't realize that of the 22 races first of all Seb only finished I know there's one DQ but of the 22 races Seb only finished seven of those races in the points and Stroll had a little more with nine Seb ended up getting more points probably because he finished a little higher in some races but I mean they just had dismal results and they finished seventh in the constructors championship this year 
that was definitely not expected. And I don't mean to, you know, basically unload on Aston Martin, but that's a painful season. That's a painful season to endure for the expectations that were given uh, for what they had going into the season. It was just, I don't think many people expected that kind of performance and that to undershoot so badly. And yeah, just, it just never clicked for Aston Martin this year. There were reliability issues and practices, engine changes that affected them, strategy missed calls, bad luck. It just seemed like they had the worst of the worst. And, you know, they had a few high points. I mean, the highest points for the team were so early, too. We had a great finish by Seb in Monaco. Uh, he followed it up with a great finish in Baku. He got on the podium, which was exciting, seeing Seb on the podium. Of course, that did take a little luck and a little unforeseen circumstances during the race. But nevertheless, those two street races back-to-back were really strong races for Vettel. And then uh, Hungary, which for Vettel was a strong race. If you recall, the race itself for Lance Stroll went uh, unfortunately awry when the whole Bottas situation happened. He ended up running into the back of Charles Leclerc. He would get a grid penalty for that later on, and I believe some penalty points. Don't quote me on that. That might be a mistake. But, I mean... Hungary was a strong race for Seb, and that I think that race really pained a lot of us too because he raced hard in that race. Seb Seb deserved that podium. Seb was in contention for the win, and unfortunately because of the FIA fuel regulations, you know Seb was forced to basically renounce his trophy, handing it to Carlos Sainz. But I mean, that was it. And then Stroll's best race was probably Qatar one of the last races of the season. And then they just kind of fell off at the end, too. It wasn't like they had spectacular finishes at Abu Dhabi, Saudi Arabia. Uh, Just overall, for Aston Martin, it was a struggle. The whole season was just a flat-out struggle for them. And to be a fan of Aston Martin, I'm not, but I could only imagine what it had to be like to be a diehard Aston Martin fan. Listen, I like every team in Formula 1. I think there's something special about every team in Formula 1. So I'm never going to say I'm... I mean, I prefer to... I love to see AlphaTauri do well, but I do find something unique about every team, and I really genuinely do like to see every team do well in certain ways, and I respect every team in certain ways. And for Aston Martin, I really did want to see them succeed. I want. I think it would have been great for the sport. Aston Martin, historic brand naming. Uh, Aston Martin bringing in... You know, it's. I guess it's a works team, but... You know, that, that story, that racing point struggle, it just would have fit like a nice redemption arc. Would have been a great redemption story for Seb if he could have, you know, had a good performance in Aston Martin after just an abysmal year at Ferrari last year. So those factors just, you know, made this year such a downer and such a disappointment and such a struggle. To their credit, Aston Martin... And Lawrence Stroll and his investors, they are making a significant investment. It's not like they're saying, that's it, we had a shitty season, we're done. They are making significant changes and they're trying to get that team to be a team that will fight for championships down the road. I mean, you can look at it. First of all, they've expanded their technical campus. They've reshuffled... um, engineers and techs and obviously they 
dumped, or I guess he resigned. Otmar Safnau resigned, so maybe they're trying to restructure via the team principal way, you know, kind of like, think about it, when a pro sports team in the United States or anywhere really in the world, if an English football team or, you know, a rugby team has management issues or doesn't perform, it's either the coach, the own, uh, the coach, the GM, the manager, somebody's getting booted. And I think, I really think Otmar took the fall for this year. And it's unfortunate because he's done so much work with that team in the past and really got it to where it is today. And I don't know what happened this season, but I feel like whatever happened is the reason for the restructuring. So, uh, you know, Aston Martin has some work to do. Uh, you know, they're trying to make the significant changes. BWT is leaving, which I guess the one positive we could take out of that, obviously it's loss of some sponsorship, but I guess we can take some solace in the fact that next year we'll not have that pink stripe on the nice green Aston Martin car because listen I get BWT how to get their visibility out there but it I don't know the pink stripe was okay it kind of went well I know I know we're talking about liveries right now but it just didn't fit sometimes so yeah um you know hopefully Aston Martin can find a way to get back to the top where they were. I think we would take them being at where they are at Racing Point. So that leaves us. What what should we expect? What should we expect from Aston Martin in twenty twenty two? What are they gonna? How are they gonna perform? Like we mentioned, they have significant work to do. There's a long road ahead of them. But I think the one benefit is these new regulations coming into 2022. Well, if there was a team that I think could figure it out and have that surprising first-half performance, I could see Aston Martin being one of them. I could see Aston Martin being the team to figure out those regulations, figure out how to get it right, and turn some heads at the beginning of the season. Will they be able to carry their development the whole season long? I don't know. They do have... Listen... Seb is a knowledgeable driver. Seb is not just one of these drivers who gets himself in the car and drives. Seb, through and through, is a... He he is the sport personified, basically. Seb, and we've seen it this year. We've seen it in previous years. There's a reason why we call him Marshall Seb, um, <laughs> Cleanup Crew Seb. Inspector Seb, this is a guy who is a student of the sport, works with engineers, understands what it takes to make a successful F1 team. He's been with it. He's very knowledgeable on the engineering side. So if you looked at it that way, you would think, yeah, Aston Martin maybe has this advantage going into 2022 if they can figure it out. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them fighting near the top in the beginning of the season next year. I genuinely wouldn't, even with their abysmal season season this year. Um, and I think for the sake of the sport, we need Aston Martin to do well. Listen, how long can does Seb want to be at the back at a team that's going to be towards the back? He definitely doesn't. I mean, Ferrari 2020 was torturous enough. Aston Martin 2021 was torturous enough. I think the fear would be that if Seb doesn't have a good car in 2022, that... 
I think he would honestly leave. I, I don't think he would stay. I think he would be much more comfortable maybe retiring from the sport and doing something else for the sport in another capacity. I could see him totally doing that. So I think for Seb's sake, we want 2022 to be a good season for Aston Martin. And I feel like I've talked about Seb a lot because obviously of the two drivers on that team, Seb's a world champion. It's impossible to ignore. Lance Stroll has his critics. I understand it. I don't think Lance is a bad driver. And I know we say, I've been saying this with pay drivers. I don't think Nick Latifi is a bad driver. Mazepin has some work to do. But a lot of these paid drivers, again, I think people use the pay driver label because, I mean, it is true. These people have, these drivers, these athletes, have found their way into F1 rides because of their connections. But that, that again, I will stress is the history of motorsports. You can look at, there, there hasn't been a season without a pay driver. There's always been some kind of connection. But I, I get why Lance Stroll has his haters. I don't think Lance Stroll is as bad as a driver as people make him out to be. He's had moments of brilliance. He's had moments of where he shined. He's gotten on the podiums. He scored podiums for Williams. He scored podiums for Racing Point. He didn't quite score a podium for Aston Martin this year. Uh, but, listen, I, I think Lance Stroll, underrated. I want to see him in a good car, too, and see what he can do. Because, you know, last year he made some, what you could call novice mistakes or inexperienced mistakes, especially when it came to that race in Turkey. But, you know, Lance Stroll can have his moments of brilliance, too. So, you know, I'm really hoping that Aston Martin finds their way and will become one of these teams that's surprised at the beginning of 2022. I, I really wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I think this, it would be good for the sport and could be exciting for the sport. I think people want to see that team up there. Uh, I hope they match the hype. And I think maybe this year, hey, guess what? They're going in with a little less pressure, uh, a little less expectations, of course, you know, from comparing seasons from 2021 to 2022. So, yeah, that that's it for Aston Martin. I mean, to summarize, they went into the season with high expectations they had the ingredients there to succeed. They got a little unlucky. Regulations caught them a bit off guard. And really, here's to hoping that 2022 will be the year of redemption for Aston Martin. That this will be the year where, hey, maybe they turn it around. And maybe they can have a successful season. And the unfortunate thing is, though, for a team that's turning it around in 2022, I mean, I think this season is going to be... I. I we were lucky in 2021, but maybe we'll be just as lucky in 2022. I mean, what are the chances of us getting two great back-to-back F1 seasons? I mean, we got to contain our expectations, right, a little bit. But, yeah, so that's my thoughts on Aston Martin Racing. You guys may disagree. You might agree with me. I would like to hear your opinions, your thoughts. You can always interact with me on Twitter at n at namericanf1.com. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram now, so feel free to hit me up. Feel free to share your opinions. I'm all for the discussion. I'm all for looking at this sport just objectively. I try to come in with, I try to remove all my biases. I try to just look at what happened each and every week and try to take as fair of an angle as I can on everything. And 
that's of course difficult to do, and especially in a world that is so polarized, but I just try to be realistic and just try to call it as it is. So if you disagree with me during any of these team breakdowns and future team breakdowns, after races, before races, blah, 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 blah. Honestly, I, I won't take any of it personally because I, I love to hear what other people think about Formula One. Love to hear your opinions. Love the input. Love the interactions. It's it's what makes Formula One a great community when we can talk about it in you know a manner that makes sense. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you for taking a listen. I'll come back to you on Wednesday. We're going to go into the sixth place team in the Constructors Championship, which was my team that I like to watch, AlphaTauri. So when we get into next week, I'll talk about AlphaTauri and basically their year, which was interesting because AlphaTauri, you know, probably could have done a little better in the Constructors' standings. But we'll talk about it. We'll see where kind of the fall-off was with that team, the weak points of that team, and how they could have been better. So until Wednesday, guys, enjoy. Enjoy this podcast, and I'll talk to you more on Wednesday.